Greetings, superstars. Welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. I'm Danny Katz, transformation agent, empowered badassery coach, and quantum languaging consultant. And I'm so happy you're here. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated version of yourself. We do this by sharing quantum languaging upgrades, conscious communication tools, witchy life hacks, planetary service announcements, and high-vibing, deep-diving conversations with original thinkers, visionary weirdos, and rebel badasses. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. <laughs> Be sure to hit that subscribe button and to join us on Locals at dannycats.locals.com where you can watch the video versions of all our episodes including those that are a little bit too spicy for the non-free speech friendly platforms. And it's also where paid subscribers can tune into the second half of all my interviews and enjoy a plethora of other bonuses, including live monthly Q&As, unpublished writings and videos, and behind the scenes intel. Join our quickly growing tribe of high vibe superstars at dannycats.locals.com. Okay, now that we've got all our housekeeping out of the way, let's enjoy today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today, I am joined by spiritual counselor and wise woman extraordinaire, Michelle Wurstel. I had Michelle on to talk about the informed field, how our thoughts, our unintegrated traumas, our erroneous belief systems are quite literally directing reality how to configure. It was a super deep, juicy conversation. Before we jump into it, I'm reminding you to hit that subscribe button, to like, to share, and to comment because these are all the ways that you help me break the algorithm which means that big tech fuckery, censorship, and shadow banning have no effect on me. Teamwork makes the dream work, so thank you so much for your support to this end. Today's episode, like all of my podcast episodes, is divided into two parts. The first part is free. That's right, free for you and for everyone listening on all the usual podcast platforms and on YouTube. The second half of the conversation is available for paid supporters on both my locals and my Patreon communities. So to listen to the second half of this and all of my podcast conversations, go to dannycats.locals.com and or patreon.com slash dannycats, where your generous patronage not only helps me <laughs> pay the bills and do all the adulting things that we do, it also gets you access to, as I said, all the second half of my podcast interviews, but also gets you access to bonus content, to webinars and workshops where you will get special discounts. It gets you access to monthly drop-ins with yours truly and our High Vibe Tribe. There are also options on my Patreon 
for membership tiers that include one-on-one -on -one drop-ins with me. So scope it out, whatever, whichever platform and tier works best for you. Your patronage and your support is super very appreciated. And I think that does it for housekeeping. Let's drop in with Michelle Worstel on today's episode. Superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by spiritual counselor, wise woman extraordinaire, Michelle Renee. Michelle, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Danny. Good to be here. I'm so excited to be here with you. I know. I'm so excited to be here with you too. I know we talked about this a while ago. Um, so thank you for your patience in us getting it together. Yeah, no worries. I think it's just my informed field finally opened up. <laughs> okay, great. So that's what we're talking about today. What is the what is the informed field? Like catch us up to speed. Well, the, you know, the informed field is a wonderful concept that I really have found um, a lot of healing can be had through understanding what it is. And the way that I imagine it, I guess you could call it maybe even like a toroidal field energy, or I kind of view it as like a big tent around us that goes out in, you know, in all directions. And so, you know, the point is above us and, and within that informed field are all the aspects of us that were rejected as a child because they were rejected because we couldn't be who they were while we were, a you know, while we were children, um, they don't just go away. <laughs> and so they, they gather and they walk around us and they're there with us all the time. And so it would be a situation like, just I'll use myself as, as an example. You know, when I was little, I was, I was a highly sensitive being. I am a highly sensitive being and coming into, you know, a fundamentalist Christian, um, you know, wounded parents, they weren't in a place to uh, deal or, or allow me to be the feeling being that I am. And so that aspect of me had to be put away in order for me to attach to them, right? I think in our lives, we can either choose attachment or we can choose um, authenticity. Mm -hmm. And as children, in order to survive our childhoods, most of us don't get to choose authenticity um, because who we are, like, like this feeling being that I am, uh, was too much for my primary caregivers. Uh, that wasn't okay. So, you know, as a child, you're like, okay, <laughs> which one am I gonna choose? Uh, attachment, because I've got to get my needs met. And if I continue being this feeling being, that's not gonna help my survival rate. Mm -hmm. So we tuck it underneath us or however we do it, we put it in a box and we stand up on that box and we say, this is who I need to be in order to survive my childhood, in order to be able to attach to my primary caregivers. But that part of us that we put underneath us in that box never goes away. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is we, we gather all of these aspects that we've put away we also have protectors that come online to make sure that we don't re, 
feel those aspects, right? So, so my feeling aspect had to be put away. So then this critical protector comes online and, and controls how feeling I allow myself to be, mm -hmm. right? So in the informed feel, then we have all of these aspects. We have the rejected aspects and we have the protection aspects. And uh, we're all walking around with these aspects here in our, in our field. And so if I have a protector part that says feeling too much or feeling isn't going to get you anywhere, then if I have a relationship that comes into my field, perhaps that is going to be really connected and feeling and well, then that triggers that, that protector part, right? That protector part gets triggered and says, oh my God, no, that's not safe. That's not safe. That wasn't safe when you were a little girl. It's not going to be safe now. And it deflects that so that I don't ever even really connect with it. Mm. Right. So does that make, does, is that like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so are these protectors like the false personality constructs that we take on to compensate? Sometimes. Yeah. I'd see, you know, I used to say false personality constructs, but what they really are is our survival. So mm -hmm. yes, that's a, that is a good way of, of describing it. it. It is something that we've taken on in order to navigate what our reality is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and oftentimes people aren't even aware that these aspects are there. They're just moving through their world, you know, having drama and, you know, bad relationships and all of this. And it's like, you know, they're not even really conscious of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because in my own life, until I really started getting in touch with this, right, I would get the same energy in a different body, right, coming into my field, right, coming into my field. And for me, what I've started identifying with now is the reason we get these same type of experiences over and over again is because these rejected parts, these protector parts that we aren't conscious of are trying to get our attention. Mm. They want to be released. Mm -hmm. They want to be integrated. They want to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. You know, that's part of this is that we, we reject them and, and can't, it wasn't safe to be them, but they want our attention. Mm -hmm. And that's where we have to give them, that's the healing, right? That's the healing aspect of what happens when we, that's what I love to do because mm -hmm. Yeah, in, in my work with people is getting in touch with these aspects, mm -hmm. connecting with them, honoring them, because oftentimes you'll hear, you know, oh, just get over it or just do it different or uh, just move on. Well, doing that doesn't actually reintegrate those aspects. And that's what needs to happen. Mm. Yeah. So I'm intrigued because you said there's a choice between attachment or authenticity. Huh? and I'm curious, you know, obviously we're always like, you know, reflecting on like, well, how does that show up in my life? And so when we choose authenticity, does that affect our ability to attach? If it did when you were little, yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and so if when we were little, we chose attachment, excuse me, we chose, yeah, attachment over authenticity then that that got wired in right i really truly believe that what we go through early on in our childhood is what wires our informed field mm 
Mm -hmm. right? It totally wires us in to have that experience. And so when we're big, then we will constantly recreate those situations. And yes, we will choose attachment over authenticity. And we do it totally unconsciously. It's really, it's setting off a lot of ahas and, um, maybe you and I can talk about it offline, but I'm just seeing how as a kid, I was always choosing authenticity and how that may have affected ah. my relationship with attachment. I can see some friction there in my informed field. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so does the informed field only contain the parts of ourselves that have split off or does it contain our totality? So this is where this is where the healing comes in. Um, and, and so this is, again, this is the work that I love to do. Um, it contains the totality of us. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that, but what's out in front, I just kind of visualize it as all these little kids, these little parts of us surrounding us. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that speak first. They're the ones that either deflect or allow whatever is safe. Right. And until we can get to a place where we start reintegrating them, um, they run the show. Mm. And so our triggers are the doorway, our triggers and traumas are the doorway to these aspects. Mm -hmm. They're the map. Right. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we'll get triggered and we just reject it again. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to deal with that. Right. And then we get the protector and no, you can't have that. Right. So you can't, you can't be that it's not safe. It's not safe. And it's my job to keep you safe. And so what has to happen is I believe that we have to work with someone who can help us navigate the imaginal realm mm -hmm. to reconnect with these aspects of ourselves. And we have to do it in a place that is full of deep love and compassion and understanding and gratitude. Because if you think about it, how brilliant are we as little children to come up with these ways of surviving, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I look back on my childhood sometimes and go, fuck yeah, girl. Oh, I just cussed. Uh, like, <laughs> Cussing is welcome here. <laughs> you can speak freely. <laughs> really like fuck yeah girl you figured that shit out and you got me through mm. thank you thank you yeah. right and so the work is all in the imaginal realm mm -hmm. you know, einstein said it he said um the imagination is more important than knowledge mm. and think about why he said that we i don't believe we use the imaginal realm to the degree that it's really available to us mm -hmm. and some deep deep healing can be had there yeah yeah. Okay. So I will, I do want to go deeper into the imaginal realm, but there was something you said about triggers. And it sounds like from this perspective that triggers are actually super valuable because they're what illuminate and connect us to these aspects that are inviting integration. And I'm thinking about cancel culture and how right now culture is inviting us to turn ourselves into knots so as to not trigger one another, mm. which seems to be a means of withholding evolution from one another. Oh, I would say nothing in society is going <laughs> to 
it's getting farther and farther away from who we actually are as human beings, true human beings. Right. Don't feel, don't connect, don't, you know, follow your heart or use your heart. I mean, I really believe that, that society is, is veering off. And I think that's why I am doing this work because, because this is a way of not only connecting with others, but deeply connecting with ourselves. And this is a way of coming from a, to a place of true self-love, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. True self-love, not what we create in society that everything is outside of us because that's just a shit show. And it's, it's just, it's a shit show. Yeah. And it's, it's, it just keeps us scrambling and desperate and finding that next thing and that next person. And who can I steal my self-esteem from? And who can I stand up on top of and feel better than? And it's a shit show. Yeah. As, um, as a five, one manifesting generator, I am a giant projection field. So I trigger the shit out of people without even trying. I don't have to open my mouth and they will be triggered. And I used to have a lot of shame around it and, you know, used to feel bad. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, you're welcome. Like, this is a service that I provide. Bye. You are welcome. <laughs> well, from a fellow five, one manifester, I love you, sis. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I think, I think what we do then is we do find that part of ourselves that fears um, not being accepted, right? Whatever right. got wired in as a child of that, oh my God, you know, you, you're not going to be accepted and, and, you know, that protector part. So don't do that and don't do that. And I think, you know, as we finally get to a place where we start seeing these reoccurring patterns in our, in our um, world, that we often finally come to a place of, what? why is this happening over and over and over again? Let me get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And let me get to a place where I'm no longer victimizing myself to it, where I'm standing in my truth and it happens. And it's just like, finally, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't affect us as much anymore. Right. Yeah. Totally. Because we've integrated those parts. Once yeah. we integrate them, then what, what happens is the capital S self starts running the show, mm-hmm. right? It's like picking these aspects of us out of our informed field and reintegrating them, putting them back in, putting them back in and putting them back in. And then the self, the true self gets bigger and stronger and right. You can just see that. So then those aspects in our informed field are no longer first hit, right? Mm -hmm. It's us. It's us. It's so interesting considering all the work that I know that you and I do personally and how it's still the least conscious aspects that run the show where it's like, but wait, I have like a a, a whole legion of wisdom here. Can't they run the show? (laughs) Not until we actually reintegrate those aspects of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, why actually it works that way. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I can tell you hundred percent that that is the way that it works. Yeah. So how are you working in the imaginal field and specifically with the imagination to help your clients integrate these parts and for you yourself to do that work? No, it's such a beautiful place. God, I just, it's my heart happiness of working with people in this place. And so, so what we do is we go into a meditative state, you know, I guide them into 
really through the body. And, um, and then if there's any sensations in the body, we work with those, whatever comes up first. And it's really a matter of trusting this realm, this imaginal realm. You could also call it the shaman realm. You could call it the spirit realm. There's many different, I believe, words for this realm. Um, imaginal realm, I think, is easier for most people to actually grasp because, of course, that's where we were when we were kids, right? As an imaginal realm, we get that. It's in the imagination. But as adults, um, oftentimes we need help to, to go into that field, to go into that realm. So we go in through a meditative place and then I ask them some questions that might perhaps spark a memory or will bring the aspect of them into their mind's eye. Mm -hmm. And whatever comes forward, that's, we trust that that's exactly what their higher self is needing them to work on. Mm -hmm. And then we connect with that aspect. So these aspects don't know that we're big. They, they are stuck in the past and they don't know that we're big. Mm -hmm. And so we connect with that part of ourselves. We let them see us. We, we ask them what they're feeling. We connect with what they're feeling. Oftentimes when we connect with what they're feeling, the person will have a flood of emotion, which is actually really beautiful because it's this beautiful release of all of the pain that that aspect has been holding for all these years, right? And have such a deep appreciation and compassion for that self, that aspect of self. Thank you so much for carrying this. So there's an initial almost introduction because that part is like, who are you and what are you doing? And it's like, it, I'm big, you know, I'm you. And, and did you know, you don't have to be stuck back here anymore. Do you want to leave this space? And they always say yes. And so then I have the client take them to a safe place, someplace they want to go. And once we get there, then they unburden. And so they let go of all of this, whatever it is that they're, they've been carrying shame, um, just pain, um, you know, uh, feeling invisible or, you know, all these different aspects. And it can be diff many different aspects. And we ask them how they want to unburden. And oftentimes they want to burn it. Uh, sometimes they want to bury it. Um, they can take it to the top of a mountain and release it to the birds and the birds take it and, you know, Mother Earth transforms it. Um, so there's all different kinds of unburdening. And then once they unburden, uh, what would they rather be doing? Because these aspects actually came in um, with gifts for us. But because we needed help in another way, they took on these other jobs, mm -hmm. right? So they've been doing a job that they haven't really been wanting to do this whole time. Mm -hmm. And they oftentimes want to do just wonderful things. They want to be creative. They want, sometimes they want to rest because they're super tired. Mm -hmm. um, so we create a place where they're safe to rest. Um, but whatever it is, is a gift to us that they're bringing to us. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes a power animal or higher beings come in to be with that part of us, um, which is actually really beautiful as well. Um, and, and then they get to give us the gifts. And it's, it's a, an amazing process. And we check in with them regularly through our meditation, just go in and check on them, let them know that we're there and how they're doing and because they're an aspect of us, right? And, and that's the homework. 
Um, and then after a while, they become quieter and quieter as they integrate more and more. Mm -hmm. And it's an amazing process, amazing healing process. And it's visceral. I've had experiences with this work where it was an actual shift in my energy field where I felt it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's whatever she was carrying for me stopped. Mm. I never, I, I no longer um, carried out her job because mm -hmm. she was integrated. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. And so I heard you mention in the beginning of guiding your clients into this, you're looking for any bodily sensations. So has, has this awareness and this work that you do changed your own relationship to pain, to dis-ease, to any of those bodily expressions that a lot of us have been indoctrinated to just go to the doctor to have them get rid of it? Oh yeah, I've kind of always been that where I didn't follow the you know mainstream narrative about pain. Um, so it's definitely a place where I, connect in with it like okay what is that like i've had this knee pain um kick up over the last week but i've also been stepping into new patterns for myself of creating um you know a new project and you know this with you right this is new for me i love it but it's new yeah. so it's a new pattern mm -hmm. and patterns changing patterns in our in our field are also really important and so this pain in my knee has kicked up. And to me, it's a masculine fear of moving forward. It's mm -hmm. on the right side of my body. It's a knee moving forward, right? Motion, yeah. motion, motion, carrying myself forward. And that's, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's that there's a part of me that's still like, what? We're, we're really doing this. And so in my meditation this morning, I go in, I connect with that part of me. I let them know that they're safe, that they you know, we don't have to be afraid anymore. I've got this. It's not their job. It's my job and I've got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they can, you know, and that's the other cool thing after we, after I do this work with people for a while, they can start doing it on their own with these aspects easier and easier. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that you work with a lot of younger people, like early twenties, um, I'm curious to know like what your unique attraction is or alchemy is to that generation and like what is your take on that generation because it's such a different generation um, than say ours right. with with tech with the world the way it is like I'm just curious as to like your kind of bird's eye perspective on this group that will inherit the, the planet. Yeah well I think um my attraction to that generation, to that um, age group is really, I feel that they were born with a screen in their hand. Mm -hmm. And so everything they've been fed is outside of them. And it's taken away from really here, right? Who, who am I? Because who we are, even though it's fed to us in society is, you know, we're told that it's outside of us. Well, it's not, you know, we come, if we come from here and move from there, instead of coming from outside and letting that dictate and define who we are, yeah. you know, um, but nobody's teaching that nobody's showing people. Well, I can't say nobody, but few people, right. I think people are starting to, to get an idea of it, but to sit with someone who's a younger 
you know, in that age group, 20, early 20s, and help them in this process of understanding that being worried so deeply about what other people think is being outside of themselves and shift it and bring it back, notice it, you know, what aspect is that? Um, can we integrate it? Because that's going to shift their whole lives. Mm -hmm. It's going to shift their whole lives, right? Integrating one piece at a time, one aspect at a time is going to shift their whole life and help them come from a different place. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, because I know that in this, you know, you and I are both born and raised in the United States, and I know this culture uh, puts in a lot of effort to indoctrinate us to all reach outside of ourselves. But do you think these younger generations, because of the screen situation, um, do you think that's exaggerated in them? Do you think that's kind of more so than maybe it was for us? Well, that's a good question, you know, because even there wasn't a screen in my face, but I, you know, we were still taught everything outside of us, right? It right. Was wired in that way. Right. Um, but I do feel that it's exaggerated with the screen. I think it's, you know, social media and likes and, you know, all of that, you know, where, where are they learning their self-esteem and where are they learning any of that? It's all outside. It's the clothes, it's the friends, it's the likes, it's the uh, more money than uh, more big, better car than traveling more. It's all competitive and built off the backs of others. Right. Yeah. And so I do feel that it's, it's more exaggerated. And I think there needs to be a, a detox essentially, you know, I think they're going to, there's going to be a wall that these young people hit where they, they feel the emptiness of our society and start questioning what is this is this really what what it is because it doesn't feel right yeah yeah i mean when i look back on my childhood but also you know even phases in my adult life like really intense bouts of creativity for me have come from being bored mm -hmm. and and like having nothing and being in the nothingness and then creating something. And it seems like there's not a lot of space in our current culture to be bored. There's no, where is that? Right. I mean, even my own sons walk from the bedroom to the laundry room with their phone in their hand. It's, it is, it is ingrained. Yeah. You know, and yeah. You know, they came in with a different mindset. They came in with a different energy and a different ability. Um, and, and I'm not saying that technology is all bad. I think, you know, maybe it has its place on some levels and some benefit. But to be everything, no, it's a, it's a, yeah. And also it's, you know, I see this when I go out um, of how many people are just like this, like with the phone kind of all the time and thinking of that, that fragmenting awareness of how we look. I, I certainly did not have that mm -mm. growing up at all. And it never occurred to me to break from whatever fun I was having or socializing I was doing to like pause and take a picture. And I think that has to have a pretty massive, massive effect. Massive. 
because everything is outside then. How do I look? Posting it on social media. How many likes did I get? How many comments did I get? You know, it's like this, it's like creating this, this false life. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's even more removed from the truth of of who they are, who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that I'm thinking of two things. One was, um, I went for a hike with a girlfriend who just came back from Burning Man. Um, and she was telling me about her experience. And when I first started going to Burning Man, no one had cell phones. iPhones weren't invented. We didn't have phones on the playa. We weren't taking pictures. It wasn't about sparkles. Oh, no. It was, you know, like it was harsh weather. And uh-huh. and then and I noticed the last time I was there was 2009, how with the phones and the pictures, it was just all the optics. And then I was also remembering being at a park and watching this little girl playing and watching her parents stop her in the middle of playing so that she would pose for a picture and just thinking like she was in a flow state. Mm-hmm. Like she was in her own flow state in her own world and the parents chose to disrupt that mm-hmm. for this thing. I just, I'm really, I'm, I'm just wondering how we're gonna heal that or I, I mean, and, and that's a judgment to say it's something that needs to be healed, but I can see the fragmentation that's happening in the moment for these kids. You know, I don't think we'll, we, we don't know the depth to which this wound goes. Yeah. This created program, you know, it's like, it's all an experiment, shall we say. And I don't believe that we know the depth to which the wound goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I choose to believe that the, these souls knew it. They chose to incarnate now. They chose to incarnate in this time into this, these families. And so obviously within them, they have what it takes to transmute. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so interesting to watch. I mean, this is just like the largest kind of paradigm shift. It's so fascinating for us to be witnessing it in real time. It makes me incredibly grateful for my childhood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is that working in the imaginal realm, I have found that there are people who can't go there. So I was curious can't about access that. the imaginal realm. It's been so cut off that they can't access it. And I, and I wonder um, if that's a product of having the screen in front of our face all the time, because, you know, the imaginal realm as children is such a it's the creative realm, it's the play realm, it's the spirit realm, however you want to see it, you know, it's the fantasy realm. And, you know, Rudolf Steiner, that, that realm, it, he, you know, created much of the Waldorf school around that realm, right? Yeah. That imaginal realm, let them stay in that imaginal realm before they enter the intellect, because once they enter the intellect, depending on their age, they can start conceiving of problems, but they can't conceive of the solutions because they're not mature enough. So it leaves them in this heightened state of being able to conceive of problems, but not having a solution, right? Oh, that's so, interesting. So the imaginal realm playing in that realm, that is such an important realm, but having a screen in front of your face all the time, you're no longer in that realm, right? You're no longer in the boredom and coming up with something, what can I do, right? You're constantly um, directed by that screen and children have that screen in front of them now very early on. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't think we actually know the scope of 
how this is going to affect us as humans. And there's a part of me that if I can have one spoke that can help people step out of it, right. With this work, then, then maybe that's enough for, well, for those people. And, you know, I don't know, but that's my, I mean, I think, I think that's why so many of us are doing what we doing, what we're doing. Cause I'm remembering when you and I first met, which was 11 years ago mm-hmm. on the 4th of July, <laughs> we were both doing very different things mm-hmm. and now we're doing similar things. And I feel like it's, it's this very grassroots of like, well, here's how I can be of service to the people in my immediate community and then they can take it out to theirs and they can take it out. And it's this very like human way of making a difference versus, you know, the indoctrinated, like, well, let me become rich and famous and I'll do it that way. No, that's just another aspect. Totally. (laughs) That's just another aspect running its number. No, for me, I agree with you. It's like human, right? That's part of my whole thing is we're stepping so far away from, from humanness. You know, what is the humanness heart to heart connection, um, community collaboration, you know, and it's all now separated screen, not all, but you know, it's going that way. Yeah. It has been going that way. You know, I really feel that that's just taking us farther and farther away from the truth of being human. Yeah. And that might work for some people. Some people might really, they came in with that wiring and that's, that works for them, but it doesn't work for me. And I don't really truly believe in my heart that it really works for our society as, as humans. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Um, you know, I'm a, a student of Gabor Mate, Dr. Yeah. Mate, and I did his year-long study program at you know, that's one of the things he's, he's just so well known for is attachment, right? How are we attaching? Yeah. And, and if the attachment breaks down early on, then it's going to affect us in our whole lives, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that attachment is breaking down earlier and earlier now with the parents on the screen and just a minute, honey, just a minute. Right. And then the kids on the screen earlier, the, the attachment wiring in our brains, you know, the neurons aren't getting created correctly. Yeah. So I'm curious, and I I know that you recently had a really interesting spiritual quantum leap, and I'm wondering um, how and if your work with the um, Akashic Records folds in with your work with uh, the informed field. It really does. Um, I think it, it, it both with the informed field, but also with the imaginal realm, because the imaginal realm is also where I connect with my guides mm-hmm. right? and where we all connect with our guides. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's one of the reasons why it's being squelched. Mm-hmm. Right? So and when you say guides, like, do you have names and faces for these or is it just this general sort of abstraction called guides? Um, I have GA, he's my guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Gerta, she's my dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a an aspect of me whether you want to call it a higher self um who's you know just even describe her she's just this uh regal just amazing being right um and then yeah ancestors and you know other um guides that come in to help Mm -hmm. me 
mm-hmm. um, connecting with the Akashic records is in that realm, mm-hmm. right? And in that realm, then my master's teachers and guides connect with their master's teachers and guides who connect with the Lords of the Akashic records mm-hmm. and download the information to me. Mm-hmm. And it's all in that realm, same realm. So when I'm working with someone and we're connecting with an aspect of them in their imaginal realm, that's also the same realm then when they, when they call in their guides or when they call in their spirit animals. So they're exercising that muscle, which to me, as I've exercised that muscle and gotten a, a clearer connection to that realm, uh, it overlays sometimes in this realm where I'll see something that actually wasn't there or have some information. So it, it starts overlaying as we exercise that muscle more and more. Mm-hmm. So I feel that connecting with the guides, my guides or their guides, is something that happens more automatically for me now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was, I would say, the opening prayer for the Akashic Records, connect in with their, you know, their guides who connect in with their lords, the Akashic Records, and kind of get it that way. Now it's happening more and more automatically. Mm-hmm. right for me mm-hmm. where I can connect in and I do that at the beginning of every session um, so I feel and know that the information that's coming through is for my highest and their highest good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and so are you working are, are Akashic records reading something that are separate from mm-hmm. your counseling practice yeah it is it okay is. Akashic record reading is different um, it takes a different format. It's um, it's not so much in the, um, I want to say in the emotional realm, it's more of a download of information. But as I'm, as I'm relaying the information, it can go more into the emotional realm. But it definitely isn't, it's not the same format, however you want to say that, right? Mm-hmm. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's a different intention. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if someone's wanting to work with you, like who who and what intentions would be appropriate for an Akashic Records reading versus a deeper counseling process? So the Akashic Records uh, is a question of what, why, or how. Mm -hmm. Those are the questions. Um, And that's the formation of the question that they have. Mm -hmm. If they're just wanting a answer on how do I move forward with really wanting to get this project going, Mm -hmm. right? What's the highest and best for that? And then I'll connect in, get the download and transcribe and you know, give them the information that I get. And then we can talk about it, right? If mm-hmm. anything comes up in that session. Mm-hmm. So that's more of the Akashic records. It's just like wanting an answer for a question or um, how to move forward with something. It's not any psychic, it's not a psychic reading. I'm not mm-hmm. in that, that's not my field. Um, it's not a psychic thing and, um, very, how is it different? Well, I'm not a psychic, so I'm not really sure. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't get psychic information and it's not, it's not anywhere that I get the information to tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, it's not like, oh, you need to go here and talk to this person. And you know what I'm saying? It's not, that's not the kind of information I get. Yeah. Like, What's my life purpose? Well, your life purpose comes from inside you. And, you know, these are some things you can do to 
uh, open up and start remembering your own song, mm -hmm. right? So I'll get that kind of information, mm -hmm. right? Instead of, oh, well, your purpose is to sing songs about, um, you know, love and go to this person. And so it's not like that kind of direct information that I get. Okay. It's more of the internal way of then coming to that place within themselves. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It does. And I'm curious to know um, how your relationship with plant medicine has informed your path and how it informs your work and service in the world. Oh, I wouldn't even be close to where I'm at without plant medicine. Just hands down. I mean, um, it has opened me up in ways that no therapy could have alone. Mm -hmm. you know, plant medicine with um, integration and um, therapy attached to it has been, um, yeah, it's taken me from one place to another within myself mm -hmm. and opened me up in ways that I don't think, you know, all the cognitive therapy in the world could have gotten me to. Mm -hmm. no way. So I am a big proponent of plant medicine, mm -hmm. exploring those realms. To me, it, I, I loved this when I heard it. Um, Timothy Leary, Joanna Harcourt Smith wrote a book called Trip in the Bardo with Timothy Leary. Great book if you haven't read it. Um, and she said that she quoted Timothy Leary saying that LSD doesn't actually induce those psychotropic effects. It calms our central nervous system down enough that we can actually see what's there. Mm -hmm. And that has resonated with me so deeply because really our central nervous system is the filter that everything in this world comes through, right? right? And if we can calm that, we can see so much more mm -hmm. and realize so much more about who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where I, what I have received from medicine and as a highly sensitive person have you used plant medicine to cultivate a different relationship with your nervous system i'd say yeah mm -hmm. definitely you know microdosing has been huge for me i've microdosed psilocybin for a very long time mm -hmm. and it one of the main things that it's given me is a space between the trigger and reaction right? There's a, there's a bit of a space there that I can say, oh, wait, I'm, I'm triggered right now. Um, connect with that aspect, which I know now, right? Okay, honey, what are you doing? What do you need? <laughs> you know, you can go sit down, sweetheart. I got this, right? So, so psilocybin has given me a opening to that. That's huge. Huge. Like, like I, I was just sitting with that, like to have extra time and space before going into an unconscious reaction to see what's going on. Yes. That's mastery. Yes. That is. And so is that, um, and I'm not sure if you know this is, do other people have that experience with microdosing psilocybin?
for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I trust that you are enjoying my conversation with spiritual counselor Michelle Rustel so much that you are right now jumping out of your skin wondering, where can I find the second half? I'm so glad you asked. You can find the second half of my conversation with Michelle and all of my podcast interviews on either my locals or my Patreon communities or both because... Abundance is super fun that way. So go to patreon.com slash dannycats and or dannycats.locals.com where your paid support gets you access to the second half of this conversation and all my other conversations. And I feel like I've repeated that a bunch of times now, so I'm going to stop. I am going to remind you to hit that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment, to help me trick the algorithm, give me more reach, more exposure, so that we can help more people. I'm also reminding you that I have wonderful books that make fantastic gifts for this coming holiday season. We have Word Up, Little Languaging Hacks for Big Change, which features super simple, accessible languaging upgrades that will allow you to stop sabotaging yourself with unconscious languaging patterns and to instead Consciously craft your personal reality and our collective reality for the infinitely more wonderful. I also have Pop Propaganda, an illustrated guide which features 37 illustrated tools, tricks, and techniques that the social engineers use to attempt to manipulate us. Duly resourced with this knowledge, then we will no longer take the bait and our minds will be free and clear for us to come together and to co-create an infinitely better, more fun, more peaceful, more abundant, more empowered reality together. Those books are on sale now on Amazon. They're available as print books. Word Up is also available on Kindle and as an audiobook. If you are one of those people who would prefer to not give Amazon any of your money, deep bow, mucho respect, Message me privately through my website, and I'm happy to arrange for a private sale. Okay, that does it for housekeeping for today's episode. We'll see you over on Patreon, on Locals, for the second half. Have a phenomenal week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And as you are inspired to learn more about my quantum languaging work, about my books, my homeschool courses, my transformational and empowered badassery coaching, check out my website, dannycats.com. As well, track all of my latest content on my locals page, dannycats.locals.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon, tribe.